Get live. All right. This should be like. This is how we do it. We are live, Alan. We are live. All right. Okay. So, so we got. What? Gosh, you almost have to go by the minute here. March sixteenth, ten a.m. Uh, First Republic Bank ticker FRC took a nosedive, and now it's bounced and it's come back up. I don't know what the announcement was that caused that, but um, my question oh, you to you, Alan, was oh, 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 okay. Yeah, you know. Um, I guess there's a couple of banks, and again, um, not to be alarmed about people pulling the money out of the bank, not to be alarmed, but there's a couple of other banks that said, hey, we've got some money. Um, what if we just kind of helped uh, this particular company in case they need, you know, if there's depositors out there that need to take some money out, we'll go ahead and we'll uh, we'll help to provide the liquidity that they would need to cover those deposits. Um Hey, you know, there wasn't anything that was formalized in a an operating agreement that said that this had to happen. But, you know, with the good nature of banks, they're always looking for opportunities to help one another. Right. And so they're going to kind of come along and help out, uh, just help out. You know, it, does that mean that they have any economic benefit out of it? Well, we will see, as they say. Right. <laughs> we will see. So. Um, yeah, I, I can understand you not understanding what's happening with FRC, and you have to look at it in the entire uh, global perspective, because there's a lot of other things happening today. Okay, we have, um, let's just start with ECB, and let's let's put it all in together and try to understand this, because maybe you have a question about what do you do about FRC, and I'm going to just start off with saying whatever you're thinking about as far as puts, calls, options, buy the stock, sell the stock, you're too late. I'm just going to say that you're too late. It's already done. The deal is in. The deal is going to make you squill. We're going to see what happens if it comes to be. Whatever side of the coin you're on on this one, there's a lot to understand before you even can digest what to be thinking about right now. So let's get into all this stuff because it's just another Thursday, right? So yes. when did your day start? I mean, mine started at about like 3 a.m., okay? I, I, mean, I wish mine had started. My life started at 545. So, okay. you know, look, the way I see it is if if they're out of the woods, if that if the twenty dollar risk price range today, or I think it might have got down into the high teens, was the bottom. And it, oh, by it, the way, it's, it's going uh, up thirty four point two eight right now on Bolton. So just to kind of get your some real time and and just to put this into yeah. perspective of what you're talking about, if we looked at the low of the pre market activity, that was eighteen point eight nine. Okay. So that's just where it's getting currently halted. And I'll let you know as we're talking if it opens up again. But just to kind of put that in position here, you know, call that 18.89 a low at 19. You might have had a chance to get in there. Probably more likely you might have had a chance to get in somewhere in the low 20s. Let's just say that if you bought early today, you're up 14 bucks right now on that, whatever you bought. Okay. So that's where it's at right now. So but let's also get into all of that particular stock, but let's put it into what it's reflecting for the global world in relation to all the things that are happening right now. Let's capture all that as we're talking about, okay? So go ahead. Start with you, and then I'll start adding some points. Okay. I think a market order now, because it, it it it's not going to go back down there, but I do believe it has good upside. It'll be 60 okay. within a month. It'll be 100 within six months, in my opinion. Okay, so let's go so into a voice. If you crisis. got it at 21 or you got it at 34, what's the difference? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in with uh, avoid the crisis, okay? 
I'll tell you about avoid the crisis right now. Are you involved in the stock market? Okay, there's this thing called a limit order. Okay, that tells you exactly the price you want to get filled at. Let's talk about the risk of putting in a market order. What is your market order going to say? Buy at market? Yep. Okay. I'm going to look at this right now, and I'm going to tell you what I'm seeing on the screen. I'm seeing on the top end, the number is up in the 40s, meaning that your market order could get filled on this open in the 40s. Are you willing to buy it at 40? I hear you. Okay. okay. So you limit order by just by nature. You should, avoid you crisis buy- right here. Because if you're buying too high, and then all of a sudden this drops because it was as low as 18. So who's to say that on your market order, you don't buy over 40? Oh, by the way, it just opened up again. It's up 38. So your market order might have got, oh, it just hit 40. Oh, geez. Okay, so that was the, that avoid the crisis, right? So what do you do now? It's coming up here in 40. Where's it going to stop? Because guess what? It has this little appearance on the chart. Um, I wish I could pull it up. I'm sure you have it, but I wish I could pull it up because what it looks like is somebody's climbing a ladder right there. You talked about laddering your bonds. Right now, this stock is getting laddered, okay? And that means that it looks like it's going from the floor all the way to the top, okay? The last time we've seen something that acted like this, it was a little company called GameStop. Now, remember what we heard about this this week, that there was a lot of option players buying puts when you buy puts, that says that you expect that the stock price is going down. If you look at it this week, what does it look like? Does it look like the stock is going down right now? Um, what happened to all that put money that people spent buying into this trade that the bank was going to collapse? And what do we see? This deal is coming along where all that put money, hey, that was the price of insurance. you know. Um, and maybe, maybe they said, hey, the guarantee here is, let's just say that you were a holder. And you said, you know what? I bought a put at, let's just call it, you know, by the way, it's halted again. Um, let's just, let's call it at 40, bought a put at 40. Right now, the intrinsic value, and just so people understand the intrinsic value, if you bought a put at 40 and this was to close on Friday, because um, that option, you have the counterparty, they are really supposed to be able to pay you 40. So that meant that, you know, you should get 40. Somebody is going to, you know, have to do that if you own that put. So that's insurance. So that's not necessarily a, a bad thing to have done. Now, the thing is, is just because they have that option, let's remember what it is about options. The option gives you right, but it doesn't require you to actually perform anything when you have the long position of that option. You can do whatever you want. You can exercise it. You can say, no, I don't want to exercise it. I don't have the cash, whatever, you know, you could determine not to use it. So let's say you're long that put. And let's say this gets right at 40 um, tomorrow when this expires, because we're talking about options right now. And by the way, um, I think earlier we had talked about this and we had actually been looking at some of those options and saying, you know, our observation is this incredible amount of premium value, both on the call side and the option uh, put side. And so you paid a lot for that insurance. Now, the thing is, is that after tomorrow, maybe you don't feel like you need that insurance. But think about this. If there was a lot of time value in those options, and that's basically the premium price. If that premium price was there, somebody might have said, you know what? I only got two days. I can go ahead and sell a call option at 40. The fact that this is getting stopped, stop, stop on circuit breakers 
you know, it reminds me of this little company called GameStop. I don't know if you remember, I, you know, and I don't want to, you know, go back into history or say how social media had any kind of impact to that. I'm just saying that when I look at the laddering of the stock and I say, okay, what, what is really leading to this happening? Because, you know, price here is just a reflection of what people see as the future value. So what were they seeing earlier in this week? What were they seeing in the pre-market? What they were seeing is FRC, uh, the symbol here, First Republic Bank San Francisco, has the potential of having a bank run. I'm just going to make it a simple kind of observation. It could have a bank run. And if it had a bank run, they're not going to have enough deposits to pay those. And all of a sudden, um, what do we have? Collapse of another institution. If we have a collapse of another institution, where else are we going to find it? The ripple effect, the tentacles, where do they go? So let's go all the way back to this morning. What was happening this morning? We had the ECB, you know, out of Europe. They're going to look at what they're going to do for their rates. And they increased rate. Now, this goes back to what we were talking about in our last podcast. What are the scenarios? Interest rates can go up. They can stay the same. They can go down. What happened in Europe is they raised them. Why did they raise them? It's the fight against inflation. And we've already talked about how this circles around. So, I, you know, I've, I've been spending a little too much time making my points. And I'm going to go back to some of the what happened this morning. But I want to get your feedback or response on some of the things I've said so far. And you can you know, take it wherever you want to go. I think you make a great point. And I think that anyone who trades in the stock market, that you need to understand the wide cycle and short cycle volatility and how these circuit breakers happen or how these orders, not even circuit breakers, how the orders are on either side. And that if you're going to trade in the stock market, limit orders are the smartest way to do it. You're going to catch that little incremental and sometimes big incremental swing even within a day. So here we go. Lesson number one, avoid risk. Always buy and sell your stock on limit orders. Is that, that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a, a little bit of a alignment there with, you know, when we talk about avoiding crises, avoiding crises is heavily involved with looking at what contributes to the crisis, which is there's a risk that's been taken and that risk materializes and you are incurring the ramifications of that risk, right? I mean, it mm -hmm. becomes an unknown to a known event. It was a risk that might happen. It might not happen. When it materializes, there's a price that is going to be paid. There's going to be a cost that's associated. We talk about what is the risk and what's the cost. And obviously, a crisis has a very high cost. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to reduce your risk, mitigate your risk. And, you know, and the, the coin is flipped a lot of times because in order to really succeed in life, you have to take risks. But mm -hmm. in taking risk, what you want to do is you want to take what we'll call the acceptable risk. In certain situations, there is mm -hmm. risk that can just really be unacceptable. And this goes back to even what we saw in um, recent activity in the financial institutions. I mean, again, we talked about we have three in a row, right? We had FTX, a lot of things being discussed about what's going on. That, that chapter has not been fully written. We look mm -hmm. at... Uh, SVB, we still don't know the outcomes of that. The FDIC is in there. But again, what they did was completely outside of what was actually in the written rules that they were to do. 
250000 you are insured. You're going to get that. But so now suddenly the FDIC is like, okay, we're going to go beyond that. But then they're like, hey, mm-hmm. you know what? Um, we can't do this for every bank. And now other banks, good friends that they are, helping out, uh, it appears, you know, First Republic. But what is the unseen risk there? Now, imagine a group of bankers getting together with the good friends, some other banker who's in trouble. And they're saying, you know, we're, we can't really pay back our depositors. They're all coming to us. I don't know why they're not going down to the bank down the street, but they want the money that, you know, they in good faith gave to us. We promised them we're going to pay them interest. And now all of a sudden they're coming back and wanting that money back. And we were paying them interest. And it's like, okay, but, you know, we're good friends over here. We're the good banks. We're going to help you out. We'll make sure that you have enough of the money that you need in case well, too many people come in. But, you know, we're going to need a little something here. Just, you know, let us... Let us kind of participate in a way. And the way that you might be able to have us participate is we'll just go ahead and take um, an equity position at this price, okay? We will also be willing to do like, well, let's look at Trev Suisse over there in um, in Europe and uh, who owns 9.9%? Uh, uh, isn't that the uh, <laughs> National Bank, Okay. So maybe, you know, by the way, these other banks, they happen to be international, right? So who might be interested in providing um, a liquidity line that has certain attachments? Okay. Mm-hmm. By the way, mm-hmm. after hitting 40 there, it's dropped down to 35.74. And I don't know if you can see it on your screens or not, but I'm seeing um, at least on some of these orders that are limit orders of where this thing could go and at first glance it looks really crazy to see some of these things that that i'm seeing on these prices but there are people out there saying that they're not even going to sell until first republic bank is over 150 dollars on their limit orders (laughs) wow okay yeah well the last time it was even in that range happens to be um, if this goes all the way back to the 2nd of February in 2000 and take a guess. Seven. Eight. 23, 23, 2023. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was joking okay. about our last, our last, our last right. fiasco. Okay. But you, you could, you, you know, because prices change, right? And going back to limit orders are helpful, right? If you are long on that stock, why not put an order out there to say, I'll sell at 150? The banks seem to want to be potentially willing to dictate the cost of giving up a a franchise to FRC, right? Here's the cost of giving up your franchise. And guess what? What What protects the equity holder? Now, you know, I'm not going to ask you if you're long or short FRC. You may not even have a position. It doesn't matter. If you do have a position, whatever you're thinking now, you've got to be really smart about putting all this together and know what the banks are doing, too, to get it right. Right. And who else is agreeing to it, right? I mean, I'm not sitting at that table. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you. You're not sitting at that table. You're talking to me. But somebody's sitting at that table right now, and that's why this thing keeps getting, you know, locked down. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Makes perfect sense. And I, I, I think you raise another interesting point, and that is 
you know, unless you have the insights to uh, these types of the, the, the limit orders, the orders, you know, hanging out there, that's, that info is not available to the average investor, you know? And so you really, you really got to understand the waters you're swimming in here. Cause you know, um, like they say at the poker table, if, if you're sitting at a poker table and you don't know who, you know, there's going to be a winner and a loser and there's a sucker and don't know who it is. If you don't know who it is, you're probably, you're probably the bait, and not the shark. So, <laughs> So, you know, you got to have information. You really got to know. And if you don't, seek out some some professional guidance. It, it, it's well worth it. So anyway, avoid avoid crisis. Um, we were also talking about um, a, a, a number of other issues. Before we jump off of this, is there anything else in this area? I, I'm not as uh, dialed in to this side you know, of the market as you are, I just see certain things and I have, I see certain mechanics and, and, and I see the loyalty at, of the SVB customers. I, I, I see the, you know, they, they, they've got a great reputation. They're more diversified. You see the fundamentals, but the market is a combination of these fundamentals yeah. and psychology. Sure. And it's the psychology at the moment that is just, you got to throw your hands up. What are you going to do? And and, and then on the other side, the regulators have to also be factoring this in, the technical and the psychological. And they got to say, how do we get the American public to settle down about banks? Well, you know, the thing is, is that we saw this in the 2008 financial crisis, and we're starting to see this now as well. And that is that when something happens and it's the obvious thing that happened, the very first thing that people do is they try to understand what happened and come up with a simple explanation for it. Because, you know, many times you've heard, hey, let's just dumb it down. Some things can't be dumbed down. And this is one that can't be dumbed down. But the media and all explanations that we're hearing have been, in effect, dumbed down because they've aligned it with, you know, Treasury moved the interest rates. The held the maturity got moved this way, but we don't have all the information. We're not the ones that are behind uh, the curtain looking at all the assets and what they have. But the point you're making, it's a really big point because I'll tie it back to what we were just talking about with um, First Republic Bank. SVB, 39 years plus, built a wonderful reputation with the VC community and was a player in many deals that have shaped the world economy. There's franchise value in that. That franchise value got destroyed in the shortest period of time. Um, and there's lots of contributing causes to that, but that doesn't take away from the value they built up over those years. First Republic Bank, who still exists, is in the same way, and their franchise value is related to San Francisco, California, and much further. And to remember, too, um, you know, what are the size of these on a comparable basis? But it's not only that. Who are their, I mean, who is their customer base? And so the problem that people can have is trying to oversimplify things. These are not the banks of choice of people with extreme amounts of wealth only, which is a potential. But guess what? 
If you go to the banks in New York, if you go to the banks in Chicago, if you go to the banks in Miami, you'll find that there are a significantly similar pattern of total wealth aggregated in those banks. You have a lot of deposits that are coming that are very small that fit under that 250000 limit. By the way, just a quick question. When's the last time they changed uh, the limit on the FDIC? <laughs> yep. I, yeah. I, it was funny. We did. We 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 looked into that. Uh, if I remember correctly, it. Well, actually, I believe I asked that question when we were talking offline, mm -hmm. um, but prior, before sunrise today, we asked that question. Googled it. And I forget the answer, yeah. but it was well, several years the, ago. The limits have been raised seven times in their history, um, and yeah. the last time was. Um, Back in 2007 or 2008, 2008, last time. Um, back in 1934, the limit was $2,500. So think about inflation adjusted. What did that protect you? By, and what is 250000 protecting now? But the, what I'm saying is that the banking system and related to real money value and what the attempt of the FDIC was, was to protect the little guy. And what is... Yep. What is important to understand is this argument of, oh, all it is is the rich billing out the rich. That's not what's happening. The distribution of wealth tends to, over time, stay relatively consistent. You have some who make extensive amounts of money and gather extensive amounts of wealth in their lifetime. And those are at the top. And there's a tremendously larger amount of individuals at the bottom who make less, all contributing to the overall economy. So if you right. look at this franchise value, which, again, this gets into another topic we were talking about is the valuation of the intangibles. This isn't on the balance sheet of the banks. When you look at you know Federal um, Reserve reviews, they're not factoring in what is the intangible value, what's the enterprise value, what's the franchise value. So when you look at First Republic Bank, they have a tremendous franchise value, right? If a deal comes through where the equity holders are being punished for market price, that is alarming because who approved the deal? Did the equity holders come and say, okay, banks, yeah, we'll take the deposits or are they being pushed into position? Who controls it? Who owns and controls the bank? And we're getting this, this whole question out there because we don't know anything about what this is. But what we do know is the entire way yeah. that this was designed, it was designed that you didn't need other banks to come and be your friend. If they want to be a friend and, and just give a loan to um, to First Republic, saying you might need this loan, or we'll give you a uh, line of credit effectively to do this, because I, I am trying to make it simple, because it obviously wouldn't be that way. But if they did it with no strings attached, um, okay. It might cost a little bit to have that happen, but I think that you save your franchise value. It aligns with what we said before about avoiding the crisis. What is your backstop? You know, so let's go to that. You know that I mean, there's an enterprise value with. So, so when 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 was it last raised to two fifty? And uh, an interesting calc. I don't know. We have time to do it on this show. I hate doing math live, but um, wh what is it? In, what would that be today in inflation-adjusted dollars? Oh, you're, you're going back all the way from 1934. I think we need a calculation. Like, like no, yeah, that would be a really interesting. The most see. recent. When was the most recent? When was the most recent? 2008. 
2008. So 15 years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, we've had some yeah. inflation in 15 years. That 250 should be what? 354. Heck, I, I think I think there's a reasonable basis for FDIC to come out like, I don't know, in about a minute and a half and say that the new FDIC insurance limit is 500,000. The majority of that is inflation. Well, it's so not even a change. Go to a room. Yeah. Go to a room. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That'll help calm the uh, markets well, that would down. Be interesting of what that would do to, to the markets. Um, mm-hmm. It would be in alignment with some of the things we heard from our president, uh, Joe Biden, right? Saying, uh, yep. you know, your, your deposits are safe. Well, then if we have that amount of insurance, you've just increased the insurance. They're a little safer. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. Um, All right. So uh, then I mean, what, what, you let's talk. Called, let's... You have called for the FDIC to raise the limit to 500,000. Immediately. They immediately. Uh, okay, we'll add that. <laughs> right. Yeah. You got to give them a time limit, right? Absolutely. Next week, Absolutely. not six months from now, right. not uh, not whenever we have uh, to you know to understand exactly where we are in the inflation curves here. Do it now. Right when you get back from a holiday. Um, <laughs> talking about timing of, of 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 announcements like this and effect and all that good kind of thing and. And how it how it affects risk, and essentially how it either creates or averts crises. You know, ECB announced a fifty basis point rate hike. Yeah. In the last what twelve hours? Um, yeah. Well, that, that's it, what I was pointing geez. to in the early markets. The, the markets were reacting to that, but you know, the the Fed is coming up with a decision here next week, right? Yep. And we talked about that, and we said there's three scenarios: they raise. Pause, and um, right. they you know cut. Mm-hmm. One of the three they're going to do. Um, I heard earlier today that uh, there's more chatter about it's time to pause. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was your recommendation too, but uh, I don't think that you uh, pointed out since you were you know, very clear to what the FDCIC should be. Do you want to send a message to Jerome Powell, maybe? Well, I, honestly, sure. I'll do that right now. I, I You know, I'm sorry. I, I think that the best thing that could happen right now is that Jerome Powell should submit his resignation. And wow. he should say, hey, look, we, because they you had 15 years of flat zero interest rates there was so much uh there were so many longer right Rel- long is a relative term but let's just even say six month 12 month two year positions being held that when you raise rates as quickly as they did it created scenarios that you know, now they're going to go back and they're going to teach this in MBA finance classes and they're going to go, see, here's what happens when you do this. Everybody should know this. But at the in the moment, they were so you're coming out of COVID, you got a supply chain issue, you got all this money swimming in the economy because of all the governments around the world throwing stimulus money around. And it was it, it cost you zero. 
So it had no risk kind of factors built into it. And so all of a sudden inflation takes off and I go, oh my God, it's getting upwards, you know, what is it, eight, 9%, right? Uh, coming out in those reports. And they're going, my God, we don't want to have another situation like the 70s. We better raise rates big and quickly until we get this thing, you know, until we see the numbers getting this under control. And they were so focused on that. They, I, I can't, it's beyond my brain that they, nobody thought, go, hey, wait a minute. There's some big players out here who have had to park lots of cash in six month, two year horizons. And as soon as we do this, what it's going to do to the off balance sheet risk and so on. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry, I just think that I think they they missed that. And maybe the right answer was to raise the rates, but it was to do something else and, and, and give the banks a, a mulligan and say, hey, look, we're going to be doing this because we need this in the broader economy. But we're going to give you a mulligan and we'll let you reset your rate. On, on your treasuries, you know, somehow figure something out, but they, they raised the rates and did nothing. And that created this situation. There was not irrational what the banks did earlier on, given, given the, the set of rules. I, I think Powell well, should, should fall on his sword and go and give the market some, you know, good psychology. Yeah. yeah. So pause is, is maybe in the neutral territory because it doesn't mean that you're done raising rates. It doesn't even mean right. that you're starting to reduce rates. All it is is saying, you know, potentially anything we do right here could be later assessed to be the wrong decision. So maybe we just take yep. um, a a more of a neutral stance right now and just say we don't know what the reaction is going to be, and we have instability in in the psychology of people right now. What will calm mm -hmm. the nerves, make it a little simpler to understand, is we don't do anything. I mean. You know, there there was a um, uh, there was a show I was watching one time, and I don't want to you know maybe uh, show which particular one it was because I mean they're not an advertiser. They certainly could be, but I'll I'll talk about what the story was um, and kind of give it as an illustration here because uh, you know it's just the main point. And the main point was there was a very difficult situation, and there was a number of different potential outcomes, and all of them seemed like they were not going to lead to any decision being a good choice. If you did this, the following bad thing was going to happen. If you did that, the following bad thing was going to happen. And the advisor in the conversation said, you know, there are times when you feel like you have to make a decision, and when you make the decision to just wait for the new information that you need to make the right decision, you're making a decision by making the decision to wait. And I think that that's exactly where we're at with Jerome Powell right now. Now, I gave, just for argumental purposes uh, in our last podcast, all the benefits of reducing rates now, you know, but, uh, you know, the, the more prudent thing from avoiding a crisis would be, the, you know, I'm in agreement with you. Pause. Uh, you, you've, you've won me over. Okay, I'm at pause now. Now, um, I'm not signing that letter to to uh, to Jerome that you're going to send. Okay, because I mean you've already told the FDIC what to do. You can go ahead and tell him what to do, and you know you can kind of be looking at uh, how you can bring all the parties together. I know you're a, a great mediator. I'm sure that they're going to both understand your positioning. And <laughs> okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, 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 there's, there, obviously, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Um, so, uh, 
boy, where do you, where do we want to go from here? Um, it, it, it's just, I'm, I'm so in the weeds. Sometimes I'm having a, you know, I, I, I want, I got to stick your head up once in a while and look yeah. around. Um, this is obviously, let's talk about the broader market. What's yeah. interesting is that, you know, the Dow, the S and P NASDAQ, it, it's trading within a relatively minor range, a little, little, yeah. little bit, little bit off, but, but yeah. you know, low single digit percentiles, you know, and uh, volatilities out there. Um, I yeah. think that this, uh, what's happening is is that the assets are fleeing the financial sector, and they're going elsewhere. Um, what's really interesting? What's happened on uh, the the Fang side? It's almost like Facebook, you know, whatever they're called now, Meta, um, sure. Amazon, Apple. Sure. You know, they're sitting on so, they're sitting on so much cash. Uh, the NBC, I think, two days ago coined it the the Bank of Cupertino. Mm-hmm. So, sure. You know, avoid crisis. Is your money better off buying Apple stock long? Right now, during the turbulence. Well, I think that what you're um, you're getting at too is kind of interesting too, because remember, not that far back, the risky asset was tech. Right, interest rates are rising. Um, The risky asset is tech, and tech valuations start to drop, and they came way, way down. Now, in an environment of rising rates that we've been in, with the anticipation that even in the next meeting, we're going to have more rates, what's happening is the market is turning back, it looks like, to a tech trade. Now, why would they do that? Because they don't feel that the assets are risky? No, I think the market knows those assets are risky. But do you want to be in assets where some other event that you have no control over can disrupt your franchise value. You know, if you want to talk about how innovation is disruptive and you want to, guess what got disrupted? Uh, You know, what got disrupted was the, uh, the approach that we've been using for many, many years. I mean, and I don't mean disrupted into me permanently changed, I think that it's just something we've seen before, right? I mean, we've seen some of these risks before. So the the whole point on avoiding crisis is keeping your eyes open for what you know can be the bad thing. You know, if you're out there and you're sailing in a boat and you see that there's an island there, you kind of want to either land on that island and, uh, you know, make sure your boat's secured so it doesn't float off, um, or you want to steer around it, you know? And we're not saying to to think that there isn't some obstacle out there that you could run into and maybe you didn't even see it. Um, And, you know, you don't want a catastrophic decision to be something you could have uh, avoided. You know, you don't want to end up making a mistake, a horrible mistake and end up in a crisis. So you have to be always thinking about what are the risks out there? And these risks go way beyond just today. We're all focused on financial, right? But when we're talking about avoiding crises, there's a ton of other crises out there that we could be talking about. Right now, it's we're talking about these because it's interesting and it's in the news and it's topical. Um, but it's also very much a part of our everyday lives. Um, as an example, I don't know about you, but I've heard people telling me that they got calls from their mother or father, their elderly parent, saying, I should like change my bank. I'm like, okay, what what exactly are you going to do? How much money do you have in the bank? Oh, I've got about 30000 Yeah, you know what? That's 
being a bank that's uh, got the FDIC insurance, I think that they're going to you know cover that. You're kind of insured now. Uh, if you move from one bank that's FDIC insured to another that's FDIC insured, you know what gain have you got other than a new banking relationship? Um, and, and having to change around all your auto pays and all your inflows and sure. outflows to make sure all your deposits. Sure. Nah, it's a yeah. pain in the butt, right? It, and, and that that gets to an interesting concept that that look there's and there's people making those kinds of moves right now, and and it's that's it again, it's not rational. It doesn't make sense. Um, you know, I, 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 what's happening in the stock market affects the people who own the stock. Yeah. <clears throat> It doesn't affect the depositors. You know, uh, <clears throat> I was on a, another podcast earlier with uh, Blake Oliver, David Leary, the cloud accounting podcast. And I made that point. I said, look, we have clients at our CPA firm that have five different potential exposures with SVB. They could be depositors. They could be employees. They could be investors. They could hold debt, you know, they bought the equity or they bought the bonds, or they could be vendors. And depending where you're at and the size, you have different risk and you got to, you should assess that, right? And so as a depositor, your risk is not the same as an investor in the stock, as an equity holder. So you're under the 250K limit, who cares where you're at? Doesn't matter. Then and, and and I've even been sitting recently over the last few days, many of my clients are having board meetings, and obviously I'm being invited. You know, I'm 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 an outside uh, vendor, but you know, we're uh, trusted and get and, and involved in these in, in these process in board meetings where they're saying, Yeah, you know, no, we don't we don't want to go with any small banks. We want to go put everything with all the big banks and go because, you know, that's where I'm secure. It's like I'm going, no, FDIC is the same across the board. No. Anyway, great, great, great point, Alan. I, I, I like that. And I'm, I, you know, got to beat that home. It just, and yeah, but part let, of what was happening let, there. Let's <clears> tie that back to the other part that you mentioned earlier here about, you know, the psychology, uh, the crown psychology. If everyone believes that uh, they need to take action, and they feel as though they're being told and they're believing that that is the right action. They start taking that action. There's repercussions that come from that as well. And so one of the big things about the market uh, reacting this way right now is it's helping to provide calm, right? Mm -hmm. um, and if the market was extremely volatile right now, I mean, so if it's within a range, people accept that because that's always the case. But it's the big, big losses of value. And we saw big losses in value and destruction in a moment in a couple of different things, even in recent times. And I'll go back to what ended up happening with prices in the assets of the stock market during COVID. Um, did you have a uh, uh, when COVID hit, when it was announced about WHO, um, you know, saying, hey, you know, we're, we're looking at this. All of a sudden, the market just turned. Right. And then we saw tremendous decline in value. And then what ended up happening was we recovered from that. But those instances where the market had a huge reaction, those impact the psychology of people. And there's a separation between Main Street and Wall Street, as they say. But what happens on Main Street has a lot to do with what happens uh, in Wall Street. What happens in Wall Street has a lot to do with what happens in Main Street. So you're Absolutely. talking about the psychology 
And that psychology is really important here because right now, what we understood about how everything worked and where we're living and our sense of risk um, has a lot to be questioned right now. And I think these are the things that, that you know, we're really trying to help uh, people understand to look at that risk. What is that risk in your life? You know, uh, and what psychology are you using to make your decisions right now? And really evaluate that. Think a little deeper and don't just rely on what you're reading in the papers. Put two and two together. And pause. Absolutely. Absolutely. And pause. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's right. And, you know, it's interesting. Risk is is kind of the precursor to crisis, right? And if we're talking about avoiding crisis, awareness of risk is super important. So um, uh, this is all this stuff is uh, super relevant. I think we're bumping up on time. I think we hit about 30, 40 minutes here. And yeah. uh, we're going to we're going to we're going to tie this together with that prior half session we did earlier. So I think yeah. we're, you know, at or past our hour. Um, mm-hmm. You want to wrap it up here for today and uh, we can we can start another session yeah, in a couple of days as things change. Yeah, I, I would I would like to just say, you know, recap. Um, recap that from our discussion, um, your recommendation is the FDIC raise the limit, and you're thinking the number's five hundred thousand. And you know what? That that deserves debate. Um, we don't have time to write a letter to our congressman, so we just say it here, right? Um, the second thing is, we think that the Federal Reserve should continue to do their work, analyze all information, come to a, an idea of what is the thing that should be done now, but to also Look at this in a manner, and you didn't say in these terms, but I'm going to express it, and you tell me if if you agree, that they should look at it from a quantitative basis, they should look at it from a qualitative basis, and they should look at it from uh, the view of what is the best thing to do for all of these potential outcomes right now. And the best thing for them to do right now is to just wait, pause, reevaluate. Yep, I that's right. I, that's that's my my position on the rate hike. I agree at, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for for our listeners, for, as investors, um, diversification is key. There is an opportunity, I think, in the financial sector. Uh, there is obviously risk there as well. Um, but evaluate, evaluate it carefully. Look at the behind the scenes action. What are the f- option activity, the puts and calls and what's their horizon? What are the, what's the limit order activity on the buys and sells? And, um, and, and, and I, again, I think there's opportunity. Um, I, I'm, I'm actively trading right now and, um, I know you did yesterday, Alan, and you 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 actually bought and sold in the same day and had a nice little uh, you know had had a nice little profit there. And there and and this kind of opportunity exists both in the short term and the long term. So, yeah, and you know the thing is is that there's winners on both sides of the market. But talking about this too, and I know we're running up on some of the time here. The other thing to think about, you mentioned puts and calls, um, and those are hedges, and hedges are important, right? Some people are using them for trading vehicles. Some are using them for hedging. And hedging, when you think about it, it's a form of insurance, but 
partly um, the the reliance on that value depends on the performance of the counterparty. And we haven't even talked about counterparty risk at all. But that, you know, that is a real big part of this. And we saw this in the financial crisis. Um, and it, it took many different forms of counterparty risk. And one of the things that we saw even today is the, and it's a very complex topic, so I don't want to get too much into it, but we saw this extreme elevation of costs for the credit default swaps on Credit Suisse. And that's a signal. And the thing is, is that that same signal happened in the financial crisis. So avoiding the risk, we don't have enough time to uh, to think about this and, and talk about how to measure that, how to look at it. But certainly all these topics we're talking about align with avoiding the risk. And, um, you know, I think avoiding the crisis, because when you're avoiding the risk or mitigating the risk, making good decisions, you're going to be in a better position to avoid the crisis. Great. See you next episode. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.